0: Hello, and welcome to the City Church Evansville podcast. My name is Sean Little, and I'm the community and teaching pastor here at City. Well, today is the Easter Sunday podcast, so even though we're catching you late, happy Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the cornerstone of Christianity. Apart from the resurrection, Christianity has no power. It has no purpose. But... At the same time, believing in Christ's resurrection from the dead is incredibly difficult, dare I say, impossible. In light of that, today's sermon, preached by lead pastor Jeff Kincaid, is entitled, Help My Unbelief.
1: I'm going to ask the ushers, please uh, come on up. You guys can take the offering. While they're doing that, today is uh, a celebration when it's a celebration, celebrations always include laughter. So we can laugh a little today, can't we? We can laugh a little today, can't we? Yeah, sure, sure. So yesterday I saw that the hashtag, uh, what, would millennial, uh, what would millennial Jesus do, was trending on Twitter. And uh, there were some really funny responses. It's okay to laugh at these. I think Jesus would laugh at these as well. For instance... Millennial Jesus would turn water into organic, locally sourced wine. (laughs) Millennial Jesus would get tattoo sleeves of his time in the desert. How about this one? Millennial Jesus would rise from the dead, then move back in with Mary and Joseph. (laughs) He would take selfies at the Last Supper. And finally, in honor of my friend Sean Little, obviously, he would rock a man bun. For those of you who are new, uh, my name is Jeff Kincaid, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at City Church, and as Sean Sean said just a moment ago, we are really delighted that you guys have come and spent your Easter morning with us uh, today. I want to welcome those who are listening to us by our podcast, too. We're so glad to have you join us. I suspect that there are many of you who are here this morning for whom going to church isn't a regular thing, and I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing shade at that. I'm really not. Because frankly, there was a time in my life where even on a Sunday like this, on Easter Sunday, I wouldn't have shown up. So a lot of you have done a lot more than I would have done many years ago. But because there are a lot of people who are here today who don't normally come to church, I realize that there are probably some of you who may not know what Easter is all about. That was a confusing thing to me many years ago when I would, you know, occasionally go to church on Easter. What's the big deal About Easter Sunday. Well, I want to state it as clearly as I can. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And for the last roughly 2,000 years, you saw it there in the video, followers of Jesus Christ have believed that he died on the cross for the sins of humanity, and three days later, he was raised from the dead. In fact, this is so important. The Bible says two startling things about it. One is that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, everything that we're doing here today is a total sham. All of Christianity is a sham. And so in one sense, I guess you could say that we have all of our eggs in this one proverbial basket. The other thing that the Bible says is that in order to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ... It's not enough to just believe in his teachings or in his ethics or even to believe in his existence that he was a good man. No, the Bible says that you must believe that Jesus was raised from the dead to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's what you want to be, you have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, to be fair, I think that many people, and some of you might even fit into this category. Anybody else hot this morning? I had a... I tried my best to wear a jacket because it was Easter, and I just couldn't do that. Um, To be fair, I think that there are probably people that would uh, be here this morning, maybe that would be you, um, who don't believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and who would say that in this day and age of scientific discovery and technological advances in a world that is so much more advanced than the world was 2,000 years ago. It's really impossible to credibly believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. People back then, well, they were far less sophisticated, you might say, far less educated. It's easy to see how they would have believed the resurrection. There wasn't any news media to investigate the claims, no official scientists to do testing to determine what exactly happened. To Jesus. And so you would say, it's just not credible to believe in the resurrection today. And if that's where you are today, if that's, if that's where you're coming from, I get it. I'm very sympathetic to your claims. And in fact, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture this morning in the New Testament that speaks to the impossibility of belief in the resurrection. And this particular passage is found in John chapter 20. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 20 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the verses up on the screen so that you can see it for yourself. It's really important that you see this passage of Scripture that speaks to the impossibility of belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just give you a little context Before we go into this passage Because context always determines meaning Now that's true in anything that you read Like if you read a novel If you read the Constitution If you read the Bible Context always determines meaning So I just want to give you a little context On this passage of Scripture So that you understand The people that you're going to read about in this passage Are Jesus' closest followers For three and a half years These people have been caught up In Jesus' revolution They have seen enough evidence to believe that he was Israel's long-awaited Messiah who would overthrow their Roman oppressors and make Israel a sovereign nation again. Some of these people that you're going to read about have left family and careers to be a part of Jesus' revolution. Just a few short days before the events in this particular passage, Jesus had entered into Israel's spiritual and political capital, Jerusalem, and all of the masses had welcomed Jesus and hailed him as their Messiah. And he didn't refute that. Like, he didn't say, no, don't do this. He, he, he received their adoration as their Messiah, as their king. But then, almost as soon as he got to Jerusalem, he was violently killed as an insurrectionist against the very empire that he was supposed to liberate the Jewish people from. And so for all intents and purposes, it appears in this passage that the revolution ended before it even got off the ground. And I can just imagine that these people must have been terribly discouraged as they watched Jesus die on that cross, and this revolution go up in flames. Three days have now passed since he died and was buried. I want to pick up the reading now at chapter 20, verse 1. Chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now be careful here, uh, because notice what comes next here in verse 9. The writer just gives us a little parenthetical comment in verse 9. He says, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So whatever it was that John believed, it wasn't that he believed at that point that Jesus was raised from the dead. Verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels there in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Now I want to just stop there for a moment. And this morning I want to make three really quick points about belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first point is just this, that belief in the resurrection is impossible. It is impossible to believe in the resurrection. And I wonder how many of you expected to hear a pastor say that today on Easter Sunday. But just look at the text. I mean, Mary Magdalene, this is a woman... As I told you just a minute ago, it was one of Jesus' closest followers during his ministry. She knew the stories. Like she knew about him walking on water. She might have even seen that with her own eyes. She saw him with her own eyes heal people. She saw him do other unbelievable miracles. She heard him say over and over and over that he would die and then be raised from the dead. In fact, he said that so frequently that even his enemies knew about it. That's why there was a guard posted at the tomb to make sure that somebody didn't steal the body and then try to pass it off as a resurrection. Now, wouldn't you think, after seeing all of those miracles and hearing Jesus talk about having to die and be raised from the dead, wouldn't you think that her natural assumption when she arrives at the empty tomb would be to say, He did it. He actually did it. He rose from the dead. But even for Mary Magdalene, that wasn't what she thought. Her first thought was, someone's stole his, stolen his body. And it's not just Mary Magdalene. Even Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, they didn't believe that he'd been raised from the dead. And not only Peter and John, but just a little later in the same passage, another one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, he doesn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead when the other disciples come to tell him that he was. Watch his reaction. Skip down to verse 24 in John chapter 20. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. And so even Thomas isn't buying into the resurrection. Now what's fascinating here is that these people whom we would think of today as so primitive, so unsophisticated, so uneducated, so technologically and scientifically disadvantaged, they didn't believe in the resurrection at first either. How do you explain that? Let me just suggest that our disbelief in the resurrection isn't at all about time, how much time has passed. It's not about our technological and scientific advancements these days? After all, look, there are all sorts of things that we believe that happened a long time ago, right? Like the collapse of the Roman Empire, for example. We believe that happened. It was a long time ago. We still believe it. Or the teaching of uh, Socrates. That even predates Jesus' resurrection. We believe that Socrates taught those are just a couple of examples of things that happened a long time ago that we still believe in. So it's not, it's not an issue of time. And not only are there countless things that we believe in that happened a long time ago, there are also things we believe in today that despite all of our advances in science and technology, we're no closer to than they were 2,000 years ago. Let me give you an example. peace. World peace. I see bumper stickers all the time crying out for world peace. But let me ask you, what evidence do you have from history that world peace is even possible? What has all of our advancement in technology and science contributed to world peace? Do you realize that the 20th century was the most bloody century in all of history? And then you say, well, how about the 21st century? Well, just yesterday... I don't know if you saw this, but just yesterday, the London Mirror headlines read this. World on brink of nuclear war as Kim Jong-un refuses to give in to Donald Trump's missile demands. That's the 21st century. So like people believe in world peace, yet we've never seen it despite all of our technological and scientific advancements. So, so we believe in, in many things despite the fact that a lot of time has passed. We believe in things that technological and scientific advancements have done nothing to produce. So what then? If those aren't the reason that we don't believe in the resurrection today, why don't we believe in it? What makes it impossible to believe in the resurrection? That's my second point today. The first one is that it's impossible to believe in the resurrection. The second point is just this. The reason that we don't believe in the resurrection is that belief in the resurrection requires a transfer of trust. Now, what do I mean by that, that it requires a transfer of trust? I was playing golf um, with a guy a bunch of years ago back in Dallas, I didn't know the guy. You know, I went to the golf course. It was very busy that day, and so I got paired with this with this other guy. And um, I think I've told those of you who attend here regularly. I've told you that I, when I when I meet people like for the first time, I really try to downplay what I do for a living because I don't like I don't want them to be uncomfortable about it. Because as soon as you drop the pastor card, things get really really awkward. So for 12 holes on this golf course, this guy was playing terribly, hitting balls left and right in the woods all the time, and he is just cussing up a storm, man. Now, I didn't care. That's his business. But on the 13th tee, he finally asks me what I do for a living. And I tried to get around this as best I could, but he kept pushing me, and finally I just dropped it. I said, I'm a pastor. And the guy goes white. I mean, he goes as white as a sheet. You could just see it. He falls all over himself, apologizing. And I was like, dude, seriously, it is cool. My ears aren't that sensitive. Like, we got got six more holes to go. I might say some of those things before we finish. So don't worry about it. But later on, after we got past all of that, he wanted to know how I had come to believe in Christ. And I told him my journey. Here's how I I got to that place. And he said to me, he said this. He said, man, I wish I could believe like you do. But here's the thing. He does believe. In fact, he believes very strongly. It's just that he believes in something else. And it is in this something else that he believes that made it impossible For Mary and Peter and John and Thomas in this passage to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead until later on when Jesus intervened. What he believed in, what all of these people in this passage believed in, what you believe in, what I've believed in, what all of us believed in here, is that we're perfectly competent to be our own master's. See, that's what we believe. Anyone remember the, uh, anyone remember the poem Invictus? You'll remember it once I, once I read it. Here's the last stanza of the poem. It was written by William Ernest Henley, and it, the last stanza goes like this. You'll recognize this. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Hear it? I'm a perfectly good master of my own life. This is, what's, this is the same theme that Frank Sinatra sang when he came up with the song, I Did It My Way. And Jay-Z sang that song too. This is why you love that song so much. This is why if you're in a bar and you've had a few too many, and that song comes on, you'll belt it out. It'll sound terrible, but you'll belt it out like you're a great singer because you believe this too. You believe fiercely that you're the best captain of your soul, the best master of your fate, and you want to be your own autonomous master. You don't want people telling you what's right and wrong, and you don't want anybody else telling you what you can and can't do with your body. The human ego is such that we so believe in our greatness that we could do just fine, finding meaning and joy and purpose in life on our own terms. That's what makes it impossible to believe in the resurrection. It's not time. It's not technology. It's not scientific advancements. All of that's a smokescreen. It's that if you were to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you would have to submit yourself to everything else that he said. Because if he was raised from the dead, he's the Lord of the universe. And if he's the Lord, you have to submit to his lordship over your life. That's what I mean by a transfer of trust. That's why it's impossible. This is why you don't want to believe in the resurrection. is because it would require a transfer of trust. Jesus once said this. He said, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What's he saying? He's saying, if you believe in him, you're going to have to transfer your trust in yourself to him and accept that he's a better master, Lord, captain of your life than you are. And if you're honest with yourself, that, is what keeps you from believing in the resurrection. You just don't want to, you don't want anybody else being your master. You want to be your own master. This is the way the human heart works. The human heart will deny and resist even what it most wants. Think about this for just a moment. What is it that Christ offers? Listen to these things. Tell me if these aren't things you want. Grace. Don't you want grace? Grace. Wouldn't you like it if people demonstrate grace to you when you really screw up? Wouldn't you like it if people would demonstrate grace to you? Of course. What about this? Unconditional love. Isn't that what you want? Sure. Forgiveness. How about inner peace? Do you want that? Christ offers that. How about meaning, fulfillment, among other things? Who doesn't want those things? But the human heart will resist even what it most wants if it has to lose control to someone else because it wants to stay in charge. It has to stay in charge. This is why the resurrection is impossible to believe, not because so much time has passed, not, not because of technology, not because of science, but because belief in the resurrection requires a transfer of trust. Now look, please hear me on this. Please understand something. I am not at all saying that it's wrong to be skeptical of such an enormous claim as the resurrection nor am I saying that it's wrong to look for proof that Jesus has really been resurrected from the dead. By all means, be skeptical. Look for proof, absolutely. But listen to me on this. If you're really going to be open-minded and intellectually honest in your pursuit of evidence for the resurrection, number one, you're going to have to look for proof, and there's plenty of it. And number two, you will have to be skeptical of your own skepticism. You'll have to doubt your own doubt. You have to be suspicious of your own suspicion because there's an inherent bias at work in your heart that doesn't want to give up control to anyone else. Like, you don't want to believe it's true. I had a conversation with a young lady some time ago about the resurrection, and she told me that it was just impossible to believe. She couldn't possibly believe it. She'd done the research. She'd done the work. It's not possible. I asked her, well, where have you been? She said, well, I've been out on Google. I looked at all these sites. Tell me about the sites. Not one of them, not one of them was a site for the resurrection. All of them were sites against the resurrection. She only looked at what her heart wanted to believe because belief that Jesus was raised from the dead requires a transfer of trust. Now, go look for proof, study, read, research. But as you do, be skeptical of your skepticism, doubt your doubt, and be suspicious of your suspicion because you have an inherent bias against Jesus being raised from the dead. It's impossible to believe it because of that bias. Now, you might be asking, okay, Jeff, if it's impossible to believe in the resurrection because of this inherent bias that I have, um, I don't want to transfer control of my life, how in the world could I ever come to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And here's my last point, and I just want to close with this point. It's this. Just ask Jesus to help you believe. It's that simple. I mean, that's not a very profound point. If you want to believe in the resurrection, just ask Jesus to help you believe. You may be here, you're like, I want to believe, but I got all of these doubts. Just ask Jesus to help you believe. I wish I had more time to go into it, but... One of the things that you would notice if you were to study this passage and the verses that follow it is that each person in this passage, Mary, Peter, John, Thomas, all of these people will get from Jesus exactly the evidence that he or she needs to believe. Every one of them. Like whatever it is that their personality is, they'll get the exact evidence that they need to believe in the resurrection. There's this passage in the New Testament where it's a, it's a great, it's, it's a cool passage because it feels so real to me, so it feels so human to me. There's this dad that wants Jesus to heal his son. And this dad has heard that Jesus could cast out evil spirits, and out of love for his son, who is demon-possessed, he does what any father in this room understands. He fights tooth and nail to get to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, he he says to Jesus, if you can, please heal my boy. And this is is how Jesus responds. He says, if you can, echoed Jesus, all things are possible to him who believes. And this is what's so cool to me. Immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus ends up healing the man's son. And you're like, why? He says he, says, he says he believes, but he doesn't believe. That doesn't seem like very strong faith. The reason that Jesus heals his son is because once you ask Jesus to help you believe, you've believed. Like I said, some of you may be saying to yourself right now, look, I I want to believe in Jesus. I really would. I, I want to believe in the resurrection, but I'm just so full of doubts and fears. Listen, just bring those to Jesus and ask him to help you believe. Why? Because it's not the amount of faith that you have that matters. It's the person you have faith in that matters. Let me just give you this quick little illustration to help you understand what I mean. I want you to imagine for a moment three people. They're all being chased by a bear. They're running through the snow-covered forest, and they come to a ledge, and they realize that the only way they're going to escape the bear is if they jump down onto the frozen pond. And uh, the first guy jumps, and as he jumps, he's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to go right through, I'm going to drown. But he hits the ice, and it's six inches thick, and he is saved. Second guy says, I got a 50-50 chance. I might drown, I might not, this might work. He hits the six inches of, his, of the ice, and he is fine too. He is saved. Third guy says, this is probably going to work. It's been pretty cold for a long time. And he hits the six inches, and he is saved. Let me, can I ask you this? Which one of those three men is more saved? The one with the most faith? No. No. They're all equally saved. Because it wasn't the amount of faith that they had. It was the ice. It was the object of their faith that saved them. How much faith do you have to have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Here's the answer just enough to ask Him to help you believe. That's it. Would you do that today? Jesus died on a Roman cross because you're a sinner. He died so that you can live. If there would have been any other way that you could have eternal life, if you could have had a relationship with God, if there would have been any other way than his death on the cross, he wouldn't have done it. He's not an idiot. But he died on a cross because there was no other way. He died so that you could live. But three days later, he did what has never been repeated in human history. He was raised from the dead. Oh, I know. It's a huge claim. But all you have to do today is ask Jesus to help you believe. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you do that? Would you just ask Jesus today to help you believe? Lord Jesus Christ, this is a preposterous claim that you were raised from the dead. But then again, when we consider the miracles that you performed, when we consider all of the other things that you did that came to pass, we recognize that you are Lord of the universe, and if you are Lord of the universe, then there is nothing that is too difficult for you. And so we affirm today your resurrection from the dead. We need you to help us believe. Lord Jesus Christ, for those that are here this morning, that perhaps maybe this is even the first time that they've ever heard of any of this, Lord, I pray that you would put it on their hearts and minds today to ask you to help them believe. And then, Lord, would you give them the very evidence that they need according to their unique personality to believe in the resurrection Lord we thank you so much that there is hope that we are caught up in a larger narrative one in which you will one day restore the world to the way that it was originally intended to be thank you that we are not hopeless thank you that the grave is not the end for those who believe in you thank you that this is not all that there is Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that that is because of your death on the cross and the power of your resurrection. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
0: How much faith is required for a man or woman to be saved? A lot of faith, enough faith, maybe hardly any faith at all saving faith isn't about the amount that an individual has but about the object upon which the individual believes. Saving faith in Jesus may be as weak as I do believe, help my unbelief. Unbelief is welcome at City Church. Skepticism is welcome at City Church. Doubt is welcome at City Church. And so, if that's you join us next Sunday at 9.15 or 11 a.m. as we meet in downtown Evansville at 314 Market Street. Again, happy Easter.